Welcome, folks, to The Mental Game. This is a podcast that takes a look at the psychology of human performance. I'm Larry G. McGuire, your host, and on a weekly basis, I bring you new material from the domains of psychology to help us understand ourselves and how we behave and how we perform in the world, whether our work is work, so to speak, whether we get paid for it or not, uh, how we how we behave, how we perform, what we do when we're awake. Um, I call work uh, and invariably every one of us is striving towards better performance, trying to improve what we do, whether you're a chef, whether you're a gardener, whether you're a machinist, whether you're an accountant, whether you're a business owner, whether you're a cyclist, doesn't matter what you do. Everybody wants to do what they do a little bit better. And that's what this show is about. If you like the material on the mental game, please consider sharing it with a friend, uh, giving, us, giving us a review over on Apple Podcasts. Um, I'm not sure if many other platforms allow that, but wherever you listen to the show, give us a thumbs up and a share. It'd be greatly appreciated. Help other people uh, find the material. And um, well, that's what it's all about, really getting the word out. So uh, what prompted me to create this show is I, I'm a writer and uh, I'm, I'm a, I research as well. Uh, I'm a psychology graduate and I'm currently engaged in uh, research into happiness at work and motivation at work, stuff like that. Um, for my master's, I'm looking at that. But I created the podcast because it just allows me to explore this stuff a little bit more and I enjoy it. And I don't see any other reason to do something or any better reason, any greater reason to do something than you enjoy it. And uh, the more you enjoy it, I think uh, the greater resolve you, resolve you develop and the ability to withstand external influences that maybe would convince you to stop or maybe it's the wrong thing or maybe it's the voice in your head telling you that, uh, well, this there's no monetary value to this, so why bother? But uh, I believe that doing the work itself is reason enough. So that's why I do it. This week uh, on the show, it's episode number six, and I'm taking a look at What's uh, psychologist Mihaly Csikszentmihalyi, very poorly pronounced, apologies. Uh, if you happen to be listening and you know um, the proper way to pronounce the man's name, I'd appreciate it. But he talks about the autotelic personality. And where I first came across this idea was in his book titled Creativity. And I got into this whole, you know, exploration of creativity, what it is, uh, how it occurs, how some people consider themselves to be creative and others don't. And uh, this concept came up and I found it very interesting. So I wrote on it, I don't know how long ago, maybe a year ago or so. Uh, and I thought I'd share this uh, concept with you in the show. So um, many of us have been in that place, you know, in work or sport or whatever, where we've been in the zone on fire for what we're doing and uh, it tends to come when we don't expect it you know we get goosebumps all over and and our senses are heightened and we're just immersed in it it's like we become one with the game or one with the sport or one with the business or whatever happens to be one with it all and there's little that separates us from the act it's like we become the act and the act becomes us uh Csikszentmihalyi and 
other psychologists such as Abraham Maslow, well before him, spoke about this lack of self self consciousness. It's like it completely the whole idea of ourselves separate from the environment melts away, and we're not concerned for what other people think. We're not concerned for how good our performance is. It's all of that thought around ourselves and how we're getting on disappears. Abraham Maslow called it peak experience, and I've written about that also. Uh, I think the article is on the performatist. If it's not, it's over on LarryGMcGuire.com. Uh, Abraham Maslow and what he called peak experience. And the, I think there's 16, I picked out 16 aspects of peak experience that he spoke about. And in many ways, Csikszentmihalyi's concept of the autotelic personality, it, it aligns with this. And it seems that Maslow was a huge influence, even though at least I haven't read to, to I haven't read from Csikszentmihalyi whether or not he gave him credit, but I'm sure he did. Yeah, I'm sure he did. But we think that you know, uh, if only we could bo bottle up this sensation, this uh, this feeling, this whatever it was that helped us achieve what we just achieved, uh, and and apply it or drink it down before every event. Well, then we could uh, we could make every experience uh, the same. Now, I think that's a little bit naive, and, and I know it's kind of popular in, in uh, general media and, you know, uh, gurus who would speak about success and achievement, all this kind of crack. You know, they talk about these things like as if you can manipulate it, you know, the, uh, like as if you can make it happen, but you can't. I've come to understand that it's already waiting for you, and you've got to get in the place where you allow it in, if that makes sense. So it's more a case of you tuning yourself and getting yourself into alignment with it, you know, because it goes on everywhere, I think. And in those moments when we find ourselves in the zone, in that state of flow, well, uh, that's when we become aligned with it. You know, everything's just clicking. You know, it's, it's a wonderful experience, but we can't bottle it up. We can't manipulate it. We can't by some, by some wrangle or some uh, neat little trick or some method or system um force it to be you know we've got to allow it to be and we do that by well there's certain practices that uh allow it i have found we might get into that a little bit further uh into the show but um chick sent me haley in his book creativity talks about the autotelic personality uh, as being this uh um, the breakdown of of the word is auto meaning automatic or uh, uh, autonomous uh, and telic. Uh, let me see. I forgot a note on that somewhere. Autotelic. Anyway, it's in the article. I'll include a link. Uh, I'll include a link um, in the show notes. Um, he says, here's a quote from him on, on the topic. He says, an autotelic experience is very different from the feeling we typically have in the course of life. So much of what we ordinarily do has no value in itself and we do it only because we have to or because we expect some future benefit from it and this aligns with the whole idea of the performatist if you listen to episode five i went on about that topic that concept a little bit uh, and you'll maybe find out what i mean but the performatist is the one who gets in the zone and allows this happen and commands their own work and does their work for the inherent enjoyment and this falls into this or the autotelic personality matches in with this concept too. Um, and in his book, Csikszentmihalyi talks about uh, nine particular aspects of our optimal conditions for flow. 
and uh, it allows us have these experiences that, that stand out from the ordinary humdrum of everyday life. Um, and in his research, his team, uh, over 30 years of research, have identified these nine psychological aspects of optimal experience. Uh, and I'm going to get into them now a little bit. First up, he says, clear goals exist. And in the state of flow, we seem to always know what needs to be done. Tasks are goal-directed, although that could be misinterpreted a little bit. In a past episode, I was talking about goals and the inherent problem with setting goals. But assuming that you've gone about that the right way, um, your task or series of tasks tasks are goal-directed and bounded by rules. So within the game, there's particular rules that guide you. So whether you're an artist and you draw, or whether you're a footballer, or whether you're a business person, no matter what it is you do, your work is bounded by rules. Uh, and rather than them restricting you to a negative uh, extent, the rules are there to guide you. You know, who is it came up with the concept of scaffolding uh, in psychology? I think in developmental psychology, they use this concept of scaffolding. Uh, and you build yourself by virtue of the rules of the game that you uh, you build out this scaffold for yourself. Um, incidentally, Csikszentmihalyi also talks about uh, breaking the rules and the rules being there to guide your learning. But there comes a point um, for the expert performer where they're willing to break the rules and go a new direction. You know, that's worth mentioning. Uh, number two, um, he says that uh, there is constant feedback. So when you're in high intensity sports, for example, the feedback is immediate. Um, in other performance domains, it's not always so definite, but uh, it's there nonetheless. It might be slower. It might be. Uh, uh, it might take a series of uh, of elements all linked together to give you that feedback you're looking for. But constant feedback is there, no matter what you what you're doing, whether it's rock climbing or whether it's whether it's uh, uh, doing a presentation or playing football or whatever happens to be. So the environment is constantly telling you how you're doing, but you're not thinking about it. It's automatic. You're taking it on board and then your activity or your behavior is instantaneous. Uh, number three, Csikszentmi talks about a balance between challenge and skill. So you're not over-challenged. Uh, the challenge is sufficient to demand, you know, uh, your focus and attention. Um, but it's not so much that you haven't already that you haven't already developed the ability or the skills to meet it, you know. Uh, if, for example, we're engaged in a task where we're not sufficiently skilled, well, then there can be frustration, you know, or, or uh, uh, self-doubt, you know. Number four, he talks about action and awareness and the merging of the two. He says in this flow state that a one-pointedness of mind is required. Uh, there's no room for concern about what others are thinking or what we should be doing. The blinkers are on, you know, so you're just in it. You're doing it. Your awareness and your action is one and the same. Now, I should say that these aspects, we can talk about them in this way, but really um, it's all one. These nine components, you could come up with more or maybe less depending on your perspective. But all of these things are intermingled. They're not discrete, you know. Number five is the loss of self-consciousness. Um, 
in normal everyday life when we're going about our business we think a lot we talk a lot in our heads spoke about this in episode number four i think um about the whole uh, mental conversation that goes on in our in our minds you know this almost a monologue where we're talking to ourselves telling giving ourselves information about the world and our experience uh however in a flow state there's no room for self-consciousness there's no room for this uh inner critic it's just kind of gone and you're just in it number six is you have no concern for failure Sent me Haley says that when we're entirely engaged in the activity, there's no concern for this. Uh, we have complete confidence in ourselves and our own ability. And this comes through practice and through putting ourselves in challenging conditions over a long period of time. Um, if you're if you're familiar with performance psychology and the study of human performance uh, and expertise, you might be uh, you might have come across the work of uh, Ericsson and um, well, I'm slow to say the 10,000 euro rule because it's nonsense. It's been proven, debunked. And in fact, before he died, he died last year, incidentally, uh, 2020. Um, he had uh, kicked back at Malcolm Gladwell, who uh, made this idea popular. In fact, if you read the paper from uh, Ericsson on expert performance, you will see that he only mentions 10,000 hours once. And in a very passing statement, uh, it didn't really have a whole pile of influence. You know, it's just like, but all popularization of these ideas, someone gets a hold of something and blows them up into something really they're not. So you have to be careful about what you're reading and the sources of your information. So um, no concern for failure was number six. Number seven is a lack of distraction. So uh, the whole enjoyment of the flow experience comes about as a result of our intense concentration on the task right now in the present moment. No past, no future, blinkers on, but not even blinkers on because that kind of gives you the impression that you have no peripheral vision, but we do. Um, but there is no room for idle thought about uh, whether this is, uh, you know, something over there is going to get in our way. We're just in it, you know. Number eight, uh, we get the sense of timelessness. There's no, uh, we're not interested in the clock necessarily. We're not watching the time. Um, and I think everyone who's ever found themselves in the zone, in a flow state, will attest to, wow, hasn't time gone so fast? Or there might be the idea that it's completely standing still or it's moved so fast or maybe even it's moved slowly. Um. Chick sent Haley reports the individuals that they interviewed over many different um, domains of work and sport, uh, the arts, academia, etc. Uh, the co a common theme is that they lose this sense of time. And number nine, um, he touches on then for the first time this whole concept of the experience being autotelic, and uh, he says this is an essential aspect of peak experience. Um, and the engagement in a task for its own sake is that the experience becomes an end in itself and all thought of success and failure disappears. So you're doing it for its own sake. That's what essentially autotelic means. Um, so I knew I had a note on this uh, earlier on. 
kind of stumble over it a little bit. So the whole uh, concept of autotelic comes from the Greek word autos, meaning self, and telic, uh, indicating purpose. Uh, comes from the Greek word telikos, meaning final, um, or end result, or uh, goal. Uh, it's used to explain the nature of consciousness and individuals who engage in complex work for its inherent enjoyment. Uh, and even though the activity might be threatening, if you've ever watched that program, that rock climbing program on Netflix, I forget the name of it now, but the bloke, um, I wish I remember his name, it just comes to mind now. He climbed, uh, he climbed, what did he climb? Uh, this sheer faced rock in, in the States with no climbing equipment. I, I must look that up. Can't remember the name of it now, but uh, it's an example of, of, you know, we're willing to take risks for the enjoyment of, of the task, you know, hang gliding and all these kind of sports, high intensity sports. Um, Csikszentmihalyi says that uh, individuals who possess this autotelic personality, I, I don't know if that's entirely true, that it's an autotelic personality, like it's fixed. I, and I don't think he intends that because it's not fixed. It's it's it moves and it changes, I think, over time. And depending on the task we're in, I notice certain stuff that I get engaged in and I'm just in the zone like it's, I just love it. Uh, and I can I, I even I can even get that from loading a dishwasher, believe it or not, or washing dishes or cooking, you know, simple everyday tasks. And this all goes back to, you know, the the, the idea uh, forwarded by uh, through um, Buddhist philosophy that immersion in the moment of now is all we need to do. Uh, and what's that quote from? Um, there's a quote from Lao Tzu, I believe it's probably um, outrageously distorted from what it was originally, but it goes something like this. In the past, there is depression. And in the future, there is anxiety. And in the present, there's peace. And really, that says it all, you know. Um, Haley stresses that individuals who possess this autotelic personality undertake their work not to provide a short-term um, kind of loosely based frivolous gratification. Instead, they do it for long-term, even a even lifetime um, pursuit or expression of goals, intrinsic goals, going back to self-determination theory that I mentioned in the last episode. These goals are intrinsic and uh, they engage in them for their own personal and enjoyment and challenge. So, um, they're essentially related to the growth of the self, you know. Um, and he says that the development and maintenance of this autotelic personality comes about um, from his empirical research, research and consists of uh, four essential states. Number one, and I might have touched on this already, is that goals are intrinsic, um, that they come about from the inside, not from the pressure to perform to uh, external demands. Uh, he also says that work is immersive, that it's just like you can go into your cave and stay there for days, you know, and pursue this thing and provides many examples in the book, Creativity. He says that attention is unwavering, which we touched on already. And um, there's no room for self-consciousness, as we said. Uh, you just get into it. And if if you are to do this work, well, you don't have time uh, 
to manage multiple things and keep all these plates spinning and fires burning. Uh, and work is inherently enjoyable. So, um, I mean, what better reason to, to do anything um, than to get into it because you enjoy it? So I don't know if this is a permanent structure uh, that we can be in all the time. I know that uh, when I get there, it's I can't stay there too long because it has the tendency to be a bit exhausting. I know, for example, if I'm if I'm doing a, a, a piece of writing uh, and I'm researching a topic, um, I might be immersed in it for maybe two hours and I have to I have to get up away from my desk because uh, it just it's it bears heavy on your brain. You know, I suppose, you know, staring at a computer screen is is difficult. But if I was drawing, for example, it's the same that you just feel exhausted after. But I suppose it's a good form of exhaustion, but you have to get away from it too, come up for air, so to speak. So the autotelic personality, however you choose to view it, um, it's a, it can be viewed as a, as a static, static uh, personality, form of personality, but I don't think it is. It, it shifts and it changes, like I said. So um, I think it's that state that we're all after. So that's all I've got for you uh, this week. Thanks for listening in. Um, uh, I think these uh, these ideas uh, that researchers come up with are valuable, um, but I I don't think we should uh, hitch ourselves to them too much. We've got to find our own way uh, and our own ideas about um, what's important to us, but they can help point, point the way. Um, and I don't think any of this is new. Um, I think we're just talking about the same stuff over and over again, but in different ways. That's been my finding. And maybe this whole concept of the autotelic personality or the autotelic performer um, is just another way of, of talking about that thing we do when we're truly connected to our sense of humanity um, and not being pushed around and manipulated by conditions or environments or what uh, what other human beings want us to do. So worth considering, I think. So that's all I've got for you this week. Thanks, thanks for tuning in. Um, we'll have more for you on the mental game next week. If you like this show, please consider sharing it with your friends, uh, giving an old share over on uh, social media. Um, and uh, if you're so inclined, give us a review there on, on uh, Apple Podcasts. That'd be great. Help sh- spread the word a little bit. Uh, but ultimately, like I said, the top of the show, I do this stuff because I like it. So um, until next time, uh, I'll check you later. It's uh, It's been enjoyable and uh, I'll see you. <laughs> Take care. Bye bye.